Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Tatecast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am again joined by my buddy Brian Hooper, maybe maybe one of my all-time favorite guests on the show. I love talking to Brian about uh, gambling, DFS, best ball. We have a, a long in-depth conversation about how profitable best ball is for the average player and and also some some good DFS conversation too before of course devolving into you know global geopolitics and uh, all that stuff that Brian and I love to talk about. I hope that you guys enjoy the show. If you do like the show, you can always leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can tell a friend about the show, or you can subscribe to patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes of the program. Now let's go ahead and get into it. All right, everyone, welcoming Mr. Brian Hooper, Brick75, back into the show. It's been, I don't know, what is six, seven weeks since we since we did one of these. We did we did uh, a couple a couple Star Wars shows. If you guys want to listen to those, they're uh, those are all very timely. Uh, or, or evergreen, I guess they would say. You could go back and listen to any of them if you want to go watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and there's just, just lots of interesting stuff going on and kind of just wanted to, to sound off on them. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? Are you, are, are you getting excited for football? Do you know who plays on, on what team? I'm getting closer because of best ball now. now. That meant best ball is addicting. I know, I know what you guys are talking about finally. So yeah, I've been so doing it's like, like literally, it's like literally like crack. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it's it is it's very addicting. I mean, that's kind of what got us all into this. I would say a large portion of us is you know with among other things, is the fantasy football day, the day of the draft with your buddies, was always fun. The rest of the season could be brutal, especially when you're like two and ten, and you you have to start your lineup because it's not fair to the other guys. You know, like that can be boring, and you know bullshit trade offers and all that stuff and you just get rid of all that and get just the fun day every time yeah it's literally it's a little and and you know when you are when you are um like a degenerate you are just doing hundreds of these i mean i'm in like i'm i think i'm in like 11 slow drafts right now i'm doing i'm averaging like two fast drafts per day i'm actually gonna have to scale up the fast drafts i think i'm gonna start doing like three or four a day um because i want well so I want to max out BBM, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I also would really like to max out this puppy that they're launching mm-hmm. on August 1st, which is a million dollar prize pool. But the effort required to max both BBM three, I think I'm 65 entries in right now. And yeah. to try even even to get like 100 in to this new puppy is going to be uh, my my soon to be wife is not going to be very happy with my screen time, I don't think. 
me, me and Pete have been talking about uh, like multi-tabling because that's what you, you know, that's what you did in poker. Well, that's what, that's what I do it once mm. August starts anyways, is I'll do like five at a time. That's okay. That, that, I mean, I, so I've been doing two, but I'm not paying attention to the off season and everything. So for me two is even is, is a bit much right now, but I think that's like going to have to be a must if the growth continues on basketball and you want to like be a serious basketball player, you're going to have to multi-table five to 10 drafts at the same time. You are going to have to be able to multi-table a lot. Um, and, and it is easiest to do on underdog because multi-tabling on DraftKings is impossible. The way the notifications are set up, you, like you literally could not do it. You would, you'd be missing picks. You wouldn't know when you were on the clock. Um, yeah. they, I guess you, you could do, so if you really wanted to be a true, sick, disgusting person, you could do one DraftKings on your phone, one DraftKings on your desktop um, and, and have it set up that way. And, and multi-tabling on drafters is possible, but they don't even really have concurrent drafts going. Now they will in August, but er, early in July, they're just not filling them up that, that quickly. But underdog, it's very, it's very doable. Weirdly enough, it's actually something that got worse on the draft app, it was actually easier to multi-table back when draft had it because there was a tab at the bottom that would show all of your active drafts and how mm -hmm. far away you were. But now what you have to do is you have to go back out to your active screen and just be like visually tracking when you're up on the clock next. Because mm -hmm. drafters has that on their, their website. Portion. Yes. Yeah. The top, the top row where it shows yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like theirs. Um, the notifications too seem off on for, for underdog for me because mine, my phone notifies me when my picks up on my desk. Yes. But if I did it on my phone, I don't get a beep. I don't hmm. know if that's Yeah. I, I, I get I get the watch notification before I get anything else, actually, which is if, which is weird. Even if you're drafting on your phone. Even if I'm drafting on my phone, which I think is probably because of, uh, I, I would imagine that's like a notification setting I have, like there's something there, yeah. but it comes up, it comes up on my phone the fastest. But, you know, the more I, the more I see people draft and the more I see other people post teams and look at other teams in my leagues, like I am still very convinced that, you know, we, this is something you and Pete talk about a lot on, um, on 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 lulls which is like you know what's beatable what's a good way to spend your money inside you know if you're trying to gamble and have fun and i'm pretty convinced that i'm gonna guess 60 percent of people are just pretty bad at best ball to the point that and i'm not saying they couldn't win because mm -hmm. it is such a variance game like there's so much injury there is a lot of like it's it's like a a, a a DFS slate where it's like if you didn't have player X you can't win. You know if if, if Shohei Otani gets forty seven points on a DraftKings Major League Baseball slate, it doesn't matter how much thought you put into your lineup if you don't have them because you don't have access to those points. Like last season, if you didn't have access to Cooper Cup's points or Leonard Fournette's points, you, you could have had the best most Mona Lisa structure and correlations ever, and it just would not have mattered. But I'm very convinced it's profitable for people who are thinking about the game right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm still on the, the, the borderline there. I'm sure. Listen, it's definitely skill. Cause you could just do like a simple thought experiment of if you drafted all 250th rank or worth worse players, you're going to, you're never going to win. You're going to lose all your money. So like clearly whoever you pick determines some of the outcome. I just don't know how much it, you can predict that's better than ADP 
or use kind of some like game theory ideas to get you to where it's worth keeping your money on a site for, you know, what, what is it? Five months, six, seven months. If you're drafting a month ago, uh, which this is a leaving aside the fact that it's entertaining. You should spend your money however you want, but like just purely from a like professional gambler standpoint, um, I don't know. I, I would say I, my, my gut would say it's like, there's definitely edge there. And, but like, how long will it take you to that? Well, that that's, edge? so that's like, that, that's a totally different conversation. Like, is it profitable versus like, is the juice, is the juice worth the squeeze versus how many lifetimes does it take you to realize it? Because again, you know, to compare it to DFS, I mean, how many slates of major league baseball can you play in a season. Right. Uh, so there, you know, there's, it's this, the regular season's like 190 days. There are a lot of times there are going to be two slates. There's a late night slate. There is showdown slates. Like if you wanted to, my guess is you could get down like 400 slates, probably something, something close to that. And in my lifetime, there'll be like 60 best ball regular season slates, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like baseball is like last night was 26,000 um entries and that's a lot for baseball it's usually between 17 and 22 and uh um what's how many are in the bbm3 like what over over four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. you know like that's a you know a large order of variance that you have to plow through before you achieve your edge um uh, yeah, Dra- you know, DraftKings is offering some cool stuff. They're doing, you know, like 3,000, 4,000 person single entry ones, which yeah. I really like. Yeah. I really like the idea of I've been, I've been drafting in some of those. That's actually, uh, I would, I, you know, that's uh, not really aligning with underdogs business model, which is like make it bigger, as much customer acquisition as possible, as much marketing as possible. A $15 single entry tournament is not nearly as marketable as $2 million first place, $10 million prize pool. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be something they plan on adding to their menu, but that is something that would obviously make it more palatable to the grinders. The, the, the less flat, the payout structure too, also increases the variance. So like, let me give you an example. So like the last slate last night and MLB 26,000, some players, I took second. Right. And then you guys who beat, beat me fucking Ricky, Ricky D. I was going to, I was going to say, it's gotta be, it's gotta be like whistles go woo awesome. or Ricky D. So I, so I DM'd him and I said, don't you, you know, this should make the payout structures flatter. Don't you think, you know, just joking. Cause he got a hundred and I got 30 mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's, that's bad, but it can even be worse than that. And of course he disagreed with me, but, um, well, the, the first to second jump is not the one where you, you are feeling max pain. A lot of the time it's like first to sixth, sixth, sixth is like the max, max pain in a lot of these tournaments. It's all bad. I'm telling you, it's all pain. Like, um, well, I just have, I, I got sixth twice last season in the $50 single entry, which is like the difference of realizing a $200,000 season versus like, I, you know, realizing like a $9,000 season. I'm well aware. And, um, but to finish the story. So he told me, he goes, you know, the truth is I almost unredged right before uh, lock. He's like, I was really busy. And I just put in like this, this, you know, not my full process worth of lineups. So I, he goes, you should have definitely won that. Sorry. <laughs> so like, so like wow. anyways, the reason I bring that up is because like, there's so much variance in, you know, a 20,000 man MLB GPP 
think about it for a season long, you know, draft, you can't pick whoever you want. It's draft format that you get, you know, one shot every year or two, you know, if you do the puppy two or something, you know, like it, 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 it easily, you could be the best player and easily never win easily. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll never really know who the In best. A lifetime. Yeah. We'll never, I don't think we'll ever really know who the best. I mean, maybe if there was like, so maybe they, maybe they do something in the future where instead of running, I mean, they'll always be a best ball mania probably, but it, maybe they do a $50 tournament, a $20 tournament, a $10 tournament, a $5 tournament. And they like run all these concurrently and, you know, maybe FanDuel launches our product eventually. And, you know, maybe there are like five competing best, you know, maybe ESPN launches one, maybe Yahoo has the functionality to do it, but the, the prize pools are just no good. But like, I don't know, you know, I see a future like three or four years from now. Now, I don't know if you'd ever make a living as a best ball player. You'd have to just be like a fantasy player, like a gambler. But I, I, I could see a future where best ball becomes like super, super mainstream in that way. So I'm going to go the opposite way on that. I think you, that you will see full-time best ballers this year because the, uh, well, one, the popularity is growing, but they, you could, you could grind the three mans, the, the Sundays. Oh yeah. I'm not, you, you totally could. I'm just, I have zero interest. Uh, no, I, like, I, yeah. Uh, there, there actually is a guy. I, I don't know his story. I've not, I've not listened to uh, he's James, James Brincombe. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've drafted with him. It's like at Eagles with three Z's yes. and he grinds NHL playoff best ball, PGA. you know, three man, six man, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff. Um, so I could see, I could see, and, and basically he's got it set up to just basically like auto profit, like, like basically, um, you know, taking, uh, people's biases against them and basically just like just drafting as the market would, but, uh, which I think is probably the right way to do it. If you're going to be getting that much action, I know CSU used to grind the three mans and the six mans. Um, I just have, I just have no interest because I don't play fantasy sports professionally and I, I'm looking for life-changing money and that's really my only interest. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying you, I'm saying there will, there is, or will be some or more increasing amount of guys who do it for a living because of the popularity you could still, and it's just, there's less sharks there right now. So if totally. Playing, and you could develop tools and I've talked about it and with some people about like kind of implementing some sort of smart auto drafter, I'm sure it's going to come eventually. It depends on how good it is, whether it matters. Yeah, I, I so I talked about this with um with Bime for a couple of weeks ago on the the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Pod. So like I I totally think it's coming, uh, and I'm I'm as you are a very data centered guy. I'm my my supposition was that we are. I, I think it would be hard to do it so well because of the, of the amount of inputs that you're having to do. Cause obviously any model is only going to be as good as the data you give it. And I, I was telling this to Liam too, actually. And Liam, Liam's like every game I've played in my life, chess, you know, all, all these games, right. The computers always eventually got to the point to where they could beat or, or at least compete with humans. Right. And my thing is like, yeah, absolutely. But that's even chess is like a totally limited number of variables compared to a 17 week NFL season. Sure. Um, my hope is that like the powers that be at underdog DraftKings and everything have your mind frame so they don't ban my stuff. 
because <laughs> I think you could definitely it, get a strong edge just through a, you know, a, a good auto data, drafting, auto draft with some like GTO principles and correlation and shit like that. Well, I could, so I could, I think I could set up a computer to draft how I want it to draft, right? So it's like when you take Travis Kelsey, you uh, bump all Chiefs players 15%, all Broncos players 10%. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's that's a way to do it. But just doing it through machine learning and projections, um, like if you're, if you're correlating the computer to draft based off what it thinks is best versus human preferences, I think are two different things. Sure. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, you could just use that machine learning and, and uh, re- data research to program your auto drafter. And so instead of using Davis's ballpark 15% bump, using your analogy, you give a more accurate bump. Sure. Maybe each player is differently, has a different bump, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's just a whole bunch of different ways you could do it. Um, You know, uh, like thinking ahead, if I was them, I wouldn't ban it because like, you're probably going to get a lot of interest. It might suck. Like totally might suck and you're going to get a lot of interest of guys who don't want to sit around for you know 300 literally 300 hours drafting and but they will like auto draft half their draft or something so like you could you know pick your first four or five rounds and then you're like who the hell is this guy or something you know you're like i'm just going to auto draft here i know it's going to fill out the rest of this team in a decent manner and that's good enough for me i only want to spend 20 minutes on it and like shit like that um i think it's, if, if the popularity increases or it's already there really, but like in other sports matters too, because like that, the, the Eagles guy you mentioned, like I was doing PGA basketball. Cause I, on my app, I, I usually throw in like, so I, you know, I rank them based on odds essentially and put cut percentages and stuff and overlay it on the site. Yeah. And I'm like, I bet no one's doing this. You know what I mean? Like they're not even doing this much level of research on these best balls. Like this has to be make money, which is why I was, mentioned earlier about there's there's going to be pros because just doing that simple thing you're probably ahead of like 95 percent of the field yes uh i know i know um dink and leone were doing some of that with uh with the golf stuff you know just very simple just having like a like a ranking system and auto drafting um which is like so any sport where the correlations don't matter i think you could just do that right now you could you could Definitely. just import you could just import um you know good good rankings based off of odds or you know some sort of elo system or just whatever it is mm-hmm. that you are doing to rank these players but i mean how many sports don't have correlations that matter and like will the prize pools ever be big enough for for people to really care that much and even the pga has correlations when the weather gets a little uh, squirrely right but the but the correlations wouldn't matter over uh, all the majors which is what, what which is what the big tournament was right that you wouldn't there would be no correlation over four major championships well yeah for sure yeah i'm talking day of obviously but yeah um and also like they usually do just one day. So it's not all four days of golf. So one day that, that weather correlation can be huge, but either way, you're right. Like if it, there is no correlation, you could easily just rank your guys and auto draft. That's what I did. Um, and, and it doesn't, it, and it shouldn't really matter that much. Uh, yeah. I would the one caveat there though, is I would, check in at let's say you're gonna enter you know whatever 50 times i would check in after like 15 and then adjust my rankings based on my portfolio because you you still i think want to get some diversification 
there. Like, you know, you don't want a hundred percent of a guy who has like 1.2% chance of winning. You know what I mean? Like, even though that's pretty good for golf, like, you know, you're, you're probably not, it's probably, well, not that's, that that's a, that's a lesson. People just have to learn the hard way themselves. Like when they start <laughs> to use computer software to do anything in DFS or gambling, which is mm -hmm. that very small edges get pressed to the nth degree. So like the first time you, you, you know, load up an optimizer for NFL DFS and, you know, Najee Harris is projected for 0.6 points more than Dalvin cook. And you don't have any sort of randomization or anything like that. You are going to get flooded with Najee Harris. Right. And that it, it's, it's way worse with like the min price tight end mm -hmm. on DraftKings. Like Ricky seals Jones is the starting tight end for whatever team for a week, you're getting like a hundred percent of him in 150 or first run. Um, and then, you know, obviously really like baseball. baseball. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. get a hundred percent Otani or a hundred percent of the 2000 priced. Yeah. The Jorge Mateo is batting eight for the Orioles and yeah, just, just whatever it is. And right. you know, those are, those are problems that like, uh, I mean, I would know how to fix that, right? So, like, I'm going to go run 150 in baseball. I know how to fix that. I know how to deal with that. And then, but I, I wouldn't really know how to start to adjust that with if I was setting up software to run in best ball, right? Like, I, it would be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to change my ranking. I don't want to move Gabriel Davis behind yeah. Deontay Johnson in my. You'd have to, you'd have to build some sort of randomizer type yeah, thing. No, there, there's, there's all right. I don't actually don't even want to talk about some of this stuff, but. <laughs> <laughs> because there's people listening but uh there is already st statistical uh code out there that you can get for free that measures a lot of this stuff yeah i don't ruin don't ruin my best ball dude don't don't <laughs> don't come don't 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 ruin these streets for me I, I don't like i don't want this to be the i don't want this to be the last fun year of best ball right because like, it's so much fun right now people oh, are drafting people are drafting horrible horrible teams like they think their structure is good they don't really get what they're trying to do like i don't i don't want because because dfs is not really fun anymore i mean I, I i play super casually outside of football season i play much more seriously for for football uh mostly because it's just not fun anymore like if i was if i was going to deposit 10k for nba i could probably grind out in you know five to twenty five dollar cash games i could probably grind out some sort of profit but it would not be fun for me at all it would just not be fun at all yeah i mean i i don't blame you like i've i've very rarely like manually hand build a lineup when for some reason like if i'm on vacation or something which doesn't happen very often and you got I'm, and you got to get the crowns imagine, and i'm like imagine. i want to <laughs> i don't yeah. give a fuck about the crowns i seriously i got millions of them i don't use but i just fucking uh uh, I just want, you know, a sweat or something to watch in the game. I'm like, Hey, I'm a professional DFS player. I could do this. And I just make a lineup that just takes dead last, you know? And uh, so I, I, I feel you, but like, I, I would say MMA is a little different. MMA is a great underrated DFS sport. Like you, you could watch the fights and you look at your expo, you know, who did I take? Okay. I need this guy to punch this shit out of that guy. You know what I mean? Or ch this girl to choke that girl out. And it's, and it, and it's a fantastic DFS, uh, fantastic sweat. It's probably it's probably better than sports betting even. And but sports betting MMA is fun too. Like um, I, at the sportsbook, yeah. let me tell you. So when I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago, like I, I went to like three or four different sportsbooks, and these guys were watching the Mets game or the Red Sox, some fucking 
super popular who cares baseball team yeah and like uh, i'm like god this is so boring that they bet on it like i could because they it was pissing me off because the mma fights were on but they wouldn't put them on the big screen which had the sound right and and it's like that how can they and then as soon as the game was over they left but they didn't put mma on and it's just like it's just an inferior betting product all around dfs sports betting baseball like e- even football like it's kind of close to it with red zone. Now DFS red zone is a great combo too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do most of my, it's actually funny. Cause the whole bit was that I was not the hand builder, which is like, I've, I've really changed how I've played uh, NFL DFS. I used to be, uh, I mean like 2019 to mid 2020, I was a big optimizer, bro. I was one fifteen. I was doing, I was doing all this stuff and it just got, uh, well, one, I went on like a huge downswang. Um, you know, like if you don't win in a season of NFL, if you have no win, you're you're gonna burn through. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know how much I actually lost easily five figs of just burning, burning money. Um, and also it got to the point where like because with football, I really like football, right? Like I really like, you know, it's like, oh, this this wide receiver is in a good spot. Like uh, the projections don't love them, whatever. Like baseball, it was very easy for me to just be like, a oh, computer says this, right? So like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. It just wasn't it like doing the the opto bro stuff is especially if you're not doing it professionally. Like treating it as a professional when it's just like a, a side gig was just it just wasn't fun. And the games are so hard, and it's so hard to get. Because uh, like obviously I'm not a computer programmer. I'm using um, publicly available like paywalled simulations and stuff, which means at best either it's not the best in the world, or other people are using the same simulations as me to create lineups, which is like its own confunding thing. And it just I just fell out. Of, I fell out of love with being an opto bro. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a hand builder now. I mean I I went from the same the same thing, but instead of opto bro, I went to my own you know, full in-house statistical sims. Yeah. Yeah, sims. And one of the reasons is, you know, when you were an opto bro back then, that was an edge. Like people weren't even opto broing. Like they didn't even know how to. Yeah. When I, when I first projection. started, when I first started opto broing for NBA, it was like, I, it was like, I, I remember it was the first year I worked at daily Roto and I, I won the $1 mini max in NBA like five times Cause it was just like, it was just like, oh yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just, uh, I mean, cause no one was doing it. People just right. weren't, people just weren't doing it. And now I would, I would bet any tournament that is run on DraftKings or FanDuel that's like over 10,000 entries is like over 50% Optobos probably. Yeah. Um, it depends. It depends. I look at that stuff. I haven't looked in a while. Uh, Pete, Pete always tells me I overrate that. Pete always tells me that, that he, he, he's said this to me before that you and I, um, you know, overrate how many people are, are, uh, you know, playing seriously, thinking seriously, using these tools seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely overrated it. We had a show, like it was a while ago now at this point, I thought a lot of guys were doing the same thing I am. And it turns out there's probably not that many but opto bros there are like there's uh, fantasy cruncher wouldn't exist right if if there wasn't a lot of people paying those subs so yes. like p- clearly people are paying you know all, all these sites really have optimizers now and it's but my point is kind of like you that was your edge but then you stopped so like and it, i i wasn't working on getting better either right so like i did i yeah. did basically i had like my same like shuffle and randomizer settings for a while 
kind of had my same and I was never like really seriously studying like oh is a five man stack better than a four and four yeah. I was just like this is what I think is right and I'm not changing my mind about it like I wasn't I wasn't consistently improving exactly like this is kind of I've talked about like the way people use leverage is kind of annoying to me because it's like you're just describing that you have more players than the field like leverage implies I have an I have an edge like if I'm wrestling you I'm on top or something and I've so I have leverage on you because my weight in whatever position well, I, don't, I don't really think I don't really think they're using it wrong they're just using it like suppositionally right like I like I I propose that my leverage is that I think the angels are in a better spot than the field is right which is which yeah. they're using it fine you're you're being a pedant yeah I guess that's true I mean it is subjective slightly because even the process I use like is slightly subjective because yeah it's, like, I mean some of the things we're proposing are unknowable but like th this is why I told Alex Baker, like he said the same thing to me on one of his streams. And I'm like, I'm like, but like, yeah, uh, you know, I, but like, I'm using the scientific method. You know what I mean? Like you're going like my bones are aching because the weather's coming. Right. And I'm going like, no, here's why we think the weather will come. And then you call it the same thing. And it's like, it's not, it's not the same thing. I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely play DFS now. Like uh, my bones are aching guy. Right. But that, like my, and you're, and you're right. It's pointless for me to bring it up, which is why I was going to do a video on it. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like I, I stopped doing videos anyways, but I'm like, it's, it's kind of like the GTO thing too, that like nerdy tenor talks about, like, you know, like, I, like we could say, like, I like to do my, you know, I just GTO the shit out of my laundry. You know what I mean? That's not what GTO means. Right. Like, in, in you know, the poker sense is like, you're playing unexploitably. Right. Like, and that's not how people use it. They, 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 you actually use it as an, an exploitable, uh, you know, playing exploitively. It's like the GTO way is to play Otani because he's only 1% owned today and these donkeys aren't playing him enough. So the GTO way would be playing 50%, but like, that's not what GTO means. And it's the same thing with, with leverage, but really I wasn't even trying to talk about that. I was just trying to say like before, when you threw it in an optimizer, that was your edge. And then now when you look at it, that edge is gone and you see Otani is, I keep using them. I know you like them, but like Otani's only 25%. How the hell do you know that that's good or bad? Right. And most people just go, Oh, 25% is pretty high. It's yeah. Like, too okay, high. Why? Why do you, why? How could too you do high. this? Right. Cause your bones are fucking aching. That's it. Yeah. Like, you're just totally making it up. Now here's my strategy. I would, I always, I give out like the two strategies. I think guys like you or just whatever, basically anyone who's not doing a full professional process is one you pick, um, you do kind of like the, like the Pat Coran, I call it like method, like Leone and those guys, or you do a large field contrarian entry. So like the large field one, enter like two, four lineups. Like if you feel, you know, like you, you want to gamble 20, whatever you want. And they should be very different from each other is, is a, interesting. A, they should be very different from each other and hopefully in a uh, negatively correlated way. And then with those, yeah, that's that just like off the top of my head. What I would do is if I was playing, like if I was playing like the, what's normally $15 on DraftKings is I would do four versions of the same five man stack or same yeah. team with different one-offs and maybe like a different starting pitcher. Or yeah. Two. I, I, I would definitely recommend against that. Okay. And then, and then, you know, and then like big T binks, like 
the next golf week with first, third, fourth, and fifth. And then he's the big T imagine how easy life would be. If you could just pick winners like big T. I know I can't pick winners. I got, and he won't give me a run pure sub. You know, I, I figured my influence level would get me there, but no, so I can't get any of the winners anyways. But like, and, and listen, by the way, play however you want. I'm not like, uh, uh, I'm not like telling someone how to play, play whoever you want. <laughs> not that uh, but like uh you know like i don't if you disagree with me that's fine i'm not trying to persuade anyone here and and so you get um you get different preferably in a negatively correlated way and only under like two or four something like that even in the 150 i think it's totally reasonable and then those lineups also should be at least like moderately contrarian and if it's a dupey sport try your best to get like between one and five dupes and that'll just come with experience if you're doing this by hand but you could do it by hand and uh and get and guess like yeah yeah this will probably be like two or three um and then and then just and then just like you know pray to the df gods make a sacrifice to them if you have to and then just know that you're not probably not going to win the vast majority of the time but that'll probably be your best your best low uh your best like strategy of like Banking that 100K, which is what everyone wants to do. Now, the other one, which people don't want to do, is if I was you specifically or someone like you who knows a lot and this is their life, like sports, is I would play small field, single entry, maybe yeah, three that, That's what I do. I play, there's like generally there um, on DraftKings, there's a $44 single entry baseball tournament that's like, depending on the day between uh, 300 and 600 people. Yeah. And I just enter like the fourth highest team total five man stack in that. It's pretty much, pretty much the logic there. Okay. Well, normally, that's... normally, normally the blue Jays, uh, th this is the fucking blue Jays scored 28 runs or 27 runs the other day. And I was like, do you know how yeah. many times this season I five man stack the blue Jays and yeah, they scored yeah, yeah. like two runs against I mean, it's like, it's like, it was one of the most annoyed I've ever been so, checking baseball scores. The Martingale FOMO in DFS is real. It's strong. You know, when your guy fucks up, like, it's like, mm, then now it's going to happen. Now I'm going to get the so obnoxious. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So do small, small field. And then here's what the Sims say is the smaller, the field, the less correlation you need. Yes. Okay. So you always want to keep people, people hate that people, they, you, you hear, you often hear this, that actually you shouldn't giga correlate because you only need like right. an 80th percentile outcome and you're beating 300 Yeah, what was that called? Onslaught stacks or something? Onslaught, like yeah. Well, like, I, I don't think it's the end of the world, but like, um, I'm just saying what the Sims generally do. Yeah, just uh, just play just play the best plays. And, I mean, and you print. do want some correlation. If you're playing against 300, 500 opponents, you probably still should. Like, but I'm talking even smaller than that. And then you kind of, and then you kind of micro, it's kind of like, a, a, you know, micromanage their strategy. So like, you got a late swap. You got to like, especially, you know, if you're playing this 10 man, 12 man, 20 man fields, like, you know, and, and you're playing $44 or higher per entry, like know who your opponents are, you know, try to try to game select. And just like back in the poker days. And then um, uh, you can guess what they're going to play more likely because they're popular players. They play every time you could like learn their strategy. Well, own ownership. Um, so like ownership really can, that, that is one thing I've noticed is like the smaller the field, the more ownership condenses. So like if, mm -hmm. if Shohei Otani is projected for 17% uh, ownership as an outfielder in, in, you know, the Millie maker or whatever, which is normally what people optimize their stuff yeah. for is the biggest field. He'll be like 35% in the single entry stuff. Right. And so it's like good chalk, bad chalk. So like, 
the good chuck is just going to be higher owned in the higher stakes and the lower amount of opponents and the bad choke chalk will be lower owned in the uh, higher stakes too. Um, so you have to differentiate from there, but, but like the, the reason I say it is like, well, this is what you, you know, Davis like gambler out there. This is what you love. You like, you love you know, figuring out who's the best plays and what's going on in there. Yeah. And, like and- I, like I, um, I like games. You know, I asked, I asked this on Twitter a couple weeks ago, like, what do you like more about fantasy football? Like figuring out the game aspects of it, like, like, you know, the correlations and like Taysom Hill is, is tight end eligible, but he might get some quarterback snaps. Or do you just like figuring out who is going to score the most points? And I think I, I like the game aspect more, but I don't like the game aspect as much as you do for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, I don't want, I don't want to make decisions. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want to pick. Yeah. I don't want to pick like, no, this guy's definitely over there. I don't want to, I don't want hot takes. I don't want any of that stuff in my process. And, but I think I'm an outlier. I think most people, most, most people, most people are a medium between me and like really average guy. Who's just picking guys. He can think do well. Like I, and, and, you know, obviously a huge difference is, and probably for lots of people listening to this too, is you have access to lots of really good tools. Like you have access to really good projections, really good ownership projections, probably at least one site you subscribe to does simulations. So like you can, you can sort of internalize all of that throughout the course of the week. Like you can internal, like for NFL specifically, you can be like, Oh, you know, uh, Kyler Rondale Moore is going to be really popular this week, but I don't think like, and just like totally conjecture yeah. be like, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're in such an insane spot that they should be, you know, 10% of the pool has Kyler and Rondale or whatever. So I'm not going to play those guys and I'm going to play DeAndre Hopkins and a different quarterback instead or, or something like that. And that, that's just, that's how I prefer to play. Like, it's just like, I take some of the data science, I take some of the hot takes. And if I was playing, if I was playing for a living though, like if I, if I quit my job and was like, you know, I'm going to sell all my Bitcoin and just, go all in on, on being a professional DFS player. I would uh, do it the way you do it. hundred percent. Yeah. I think you kind of have to, especially if you want to last for a while. And, and, and like I said too, like, I'm not trying to persuade anyone either way. I'm just like giving my general observations on what I think I would do. Those, those kind of are the two strategies. And then, you, you know, like Davis just said, think about what you uh, like, what, how your personality. So like, if you're someone who just wants the hundred K and you're okay with losing 90% of the time or something like that with your two to four entries, do the second strategy too. But if you, if you, that will tear you up and you got to have some wins, even if they're small, then do the micro micro field strategy. Like that's kind of the two. And you you could like control a lot more in those micro fields. Like, cause you know, your opponents, there's only 12 guys. You don't, there's not as many combos to beat. Uh, all sorts of things like that, but like your ROI will definitely be significantly lower in those. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really care about losing like lose, like, well, I get, I mean, I do like uh, there, the, uh, like a month ago, I, I finally snapped out of it, but I was on like a good, like good, no, no bink since like February type run or something where I was just, I was just bleeding money. Um, which uh, feels kind of bad. Cause a lot of the stuff I play in is theoretically, you should realize your EV more often, like, like women's soccer. I should be realizing my EV. Like I should have won one of the main GPPs in women's soccer already. And I haven't yet. Um, which like feel, it feels bad to, to not be realizing that EV, but I, they, even, even 
taking first for like like 2k or whatever in one of these is like that's enough to keep me going mentally for like another month or two months or whatever like it's it's totally fine but it's it's the it's the real barren periods where i'm like this is just fucking boring i just hate this this sucks yeah i just realized i think this is the most gambling we've ever talked (laughs) yeah by a long shot we usually last about five minutes Yeah, we haven't even we haven't even gotten to we haven't even gotten into the people are gonna think this is normal this is our normal discourse. Yeah, we haven't even talked about like eating crickets or anything yet. Oh my god. That is getting getting out of hand. It's really picking up. The 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 cricket and bug propaganda is really picking up. I wonder, I wonder if they know something we don't know about about uh you know supply chain type stuff. Do you know that that like Alex Jones meme where it's like Alex Jones is always right or something like that? And then it's got like his predictions and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know if you saw that one. And it's like, it's like, well, first of all, like what's his batting average here? How many swings is this guy taking? I don't know. You know, I sure. don't watch him. I'm sure it's it's insane uh amount of uh, swings and misses there. But like it does, it does feel like we're we're living in Alex Jones. I used to do the bug, you know, the bug joke years ago because it's funny you know what i mean like no, no you're gonna eat bucks davis <laughs> and, then, and then like me and you keep sending back and forth in our DMs. it was the the snowden tweet the snowden tweet really got to me where he was like people keep saying they're not gonna eat the bugs you're gonna eat the fucking bugs and you know what i just like i, I honestly i should just make peace with it now oh. because we're gonna eat the bugs dude it, it's know. gonna be it is gonna be unavoidable i think probably I think I, you know, you're, I don't want to agree with that. So I won't, but just on pure stubbornness. I, Cause like, like I told you in the DMs, I'm like, it's going to be like, like 5% ethanol in your gas. It'll be like, oh, I just ate a hamburger. And then some like, oh, you know, that's 5% cricket. And like, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they like they've already you know soft launched that with like the Beyond Burgers and the Impossible Burger and all that stuff, which is honestly, honestly, I would rather eat a burger made of bugs than an impossible burger, which is just soy really. Yeah. And oil compounds and stuff. Well, I mean, they have, they have, um, which I thought was supposed to be ready by now. Um, what is the other, the, the, um, the, the factory grown meat, the, uh, why am I blanking on the name of those companies, but they grow, they grow the meat in a Petri dish essentially. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, I don't know the name of the company, but I've seen, I've seen that so like it is actually real meat it's just with you know ethical so there's no animals being you know held in factory factory farms and stuff like you know you would you would think because of my history as a bleeding art lib that i would be all about you know the ethical the ethical treatment of animal and i'm i'm of course like the the meat packing plants and everything is i mean it's it's fucking horrible right Mm -hmm. uh read read the jungle buddy read your read your socialist propaganda you know, forced to but, read that in high school. Well, good. I, I, it's actually, it's a, it's incredible that in this day and age that they, you, the kids are still reading the jungle because it is yeah, such clearly it's propaganda. It's, it's, socialist it's communist propaganda. It's that's good. It's good. And I'm glad, I'm glad kids are, I'm it's glad kids good. are reading it and said, what was the, what was the, the book that Timothy McVeigh read? It's like, it's like the handbook to how to be a white nationalist, but it's like a, it's a narrative, but I forget. I forget the name. I'm surprised like that's not what kids are being forced to read these days. Yeah, I can't remember his. Um, but he he wrote one like an anarchist book or something like that. I can't remember the title. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. The, so the, the the it's I think it's ridiculous that the jungle. I had to read the jungle like 
um, it did have an effect on me at the time. And then like now that I'm older and research it, like Upton Sinclair was the, Tur- the Turner Diaries was the was the name of the book. Oh, that okay. McVeigh got his inspiration from Upton Sinclair, who wrote the uh, the jungle was a uh, was working for a socialist communist magazine. He wrote that as an article for for them like it wasn't like written as a a book like he in like it's it was all fabricated like he didn't actually go and do any of these things and didn't do any of this research uh it was just like an anti you know worker uh anti-corporation uh pamphlet that it's important it's important literature (laughs) yeah it's it's propaganda it's anti-capitalist propaganda essentially and so like oh so it's, okay. it's probably the only exposure to anti-capitalist ideas that american children get until they get to college i mean i i don't i don't really agree with that at all like so like i'm you're way more likely to read the jungle than you are like any milton freeman books in high school as it should be and no thomas you Sowell want you want kids you want kids reading king keynesian milton friedman he's not keynesian he's um i don't know i've never read a milton freeman book and i never will so <laughs> that's surprising but yeah like capitalism freeman uh, and freedom is one of his books and free to choose is another one he wrote um but like there's there's tons of them and they're and they're super interesting uh it depends like they write academic and like for the general masses different things and i'm not even saying just them like what about murray rothbart like anatomy of the state it's a short you know essay that a kid could eat uh read in you know a day but like that shit's not happening ever and and there's a reason for it too because it's because it's like the manufactured consent idea that chomsky came up with like but do you but do you love but do you love that kids are forced to read 1984 and animal farm i i mean i didn't have to did you yeah i had to read i had to read both and they're good they're good you know they're they're fine or whatever i have been you know i i i do like I wonder your thoughts on this. Are you ever, uh, and I'm sure you're annoyed by, you know, people conflate the the liberty idea with, you know, the true disgusting fringes of the alt-right, right? Like those are, those should be differentiated ideas. Like, you know, the, to me, there is such a difference between fascist communism, which is the only thing that's ever existed and like the actual base human principles from an economic perspective of communism and socialism. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have, I don't have my hammer and sickle out. Like I, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm undecided in all of these things. There are some parts of communism and socialism that really appeal to me. There are parts of uh, Misian economics that really appeal to me, but it is, it is, it is so, uh, it, it is just kind of one of those interesting things that the only way communism has ever been implemented is through fascism, which I think everyone can just agree is bad. Like I, I just who is who's making the argument for fascism? I mean, I, I'll make it. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, 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 you and I are both on the record as saying the best right. form of government is a benevolent dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My joke is I'm a I'm a anarchist in the classroom and a monarchist in the bedroom. So, <laughs> the, but like the so like I think it's you know Murray Rothbard like views history as the struggle between liberty and power, and so that's kind of like we said on the last podcast, like, I don't think, you know, the the real communism has never been tried meme or whatever is like, yeah, but it, it also would never, it it will never be, it will never. uh, No, no, there, there's no, I don't think there will ever be a real world application of communism that's ever done in a way that makes anyone's life better. Right. And and this is what me, you know, Mises treatise was on like his earlier one. Um, 
but uh, I lost my train of thought there. So, oh, Murray Rothbard, right? Power versus liberty. And so, like, if you if you view as long as so, like George Orwell, we just talked about, he was a commie too, but he was a good one. You know, Chomsky was too. Uh, I it's I wanted to bring up Orwell because I just listened to a really interesting podcast about him where where a guy wrote uh wrote a book about him was talking about how actually he was a real leftist but he hated fascist leftists right right? which is where which is where 1984 was born out of was basically him like subtweeting his party members basically being like you guys don't get what this is really supposed to be about exactly and so like this is kind of i think getting at the crux of what you're you are getting at is like it okay do you believe that like an individual should be free to go and choose where they want to live. Right. And live under the, and live with like-minded people and under the government or no government. Totally. So, so like the, after that, it doesn't matter. Right. So you are on the side of Liberty. If that is truly what you believe. I have, I've said this on this podcast many times that there are many things that me and the Liberty bros would agree on. And there are many things that they would uh, pull their, their freedom guns out on me for. Right. right? And, the, and, the, and this is why, like, then you would live in your whatever communist com- commune, if you wanted, or, you know, some sort of social um, Democrat area or something. Well, like that. So, so, you know, that that's another point. We don't talk about this enough that, like, in my opinion, you will probably disagree with this. Governments and and centralized decision making uh, is is not you would disagree with the idea that it's not immoral. I don't think it's immoral at all. Um, but it's going to function better the smaller the group that you're governing is. And the greater the greater the group, the more people in charge, the, the more different types of people you're trying to represent, the worse and less effective it's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. But yes, I would probably generally agree with that. But also like the less control you as an individual have on it. So like you can consider like a homeowners association, a small government. Right. Like but if you live in like a three flat brownstone here in Chicago, like you have quite a bit of control, right, in that form of government. But if you live in the city of Chicago, your vote is essentially worthless, right? And if you live in the United States of America, you're not going to uh, move the needle at all in any federal election, essentially. Like there, there's like a few states where like it could matter slightly, but even then it's just like a roll of the dice of whether your vote even matters at all. So the smaller, the smaller it is, the more uh, influence the individual has. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally, I generally agree with that. Um, you know, the, the power versus Liberty angle, like, I mean, I think that's all there really, there really is into it. And so back to your, like the Liberty bros thing is yeah. People obviously look at Liberty bros with bad faith intentions and then they give them these, you know, bull bullshit, uh, uh, ideas that they don't even subscribe to and then mix everyone together like this is how it works now everyone's a racist everyone's a sexist everyone's for you know everyone's far right everyone's alt right whatever or or everyone's a, a commie right like which i do you know uh yeah yeah the, the, the which is like which is even bad faither than bad faith like the idea that the democratic party is in anything is in any in any way relation to like a leftist ideal is is nothing but bad faith there there's yeah. been one piece of leftist legislation passed in the united states in the last 20 years and it was a joke and and disemboweled within months yeah i mean i would agree like for your version of it 
but the, it is, <laughs> <laughs> like for what you specifically want davis like of course they're not they're not doing that but like, like over the overarching last 120 years of american history i'd say i don't know it's pretty common. we've had some good we've had some good leftist legislation passed in this country yeah. in the past you know there were there was yeah. a there was a hey you enjoyed you enjoy driving on roads yeah that's do you, not do you enjoy having pasteurized milk that's not commu communist though. Like the government doesn't build the roads, the private companies do. And it's, and it's just a completely captured, if you know anything about like the road system, which I know very little cause I didn't work in that uh, for those agencies, but I do know people who did and, and other construction guys, it's a complete racket. Like all the whole bidding process is, is like uh, completely captured. The same companies get, uh, get the bids, you know, what road, if you live in a major city, the roads are fucking garbage. My, you get flat tires all the time and they're completely unsafe. They put these weird like cut off roads where you have to like go into oncoming traffic. They don't care about your safety. And if you compared it to like Walmart or some you know gigantic shitty corporation, they do their construction generally at night, right? Because they actually need to make you happy as a customer. Like my buddy re has redid a whole Walmart. He's like a project manager, and he had to he had to get up at you know midnight to go work uh, for months to finish the project. But they don't they like but on a highway they don't even take the the cones down for the weekend when they're not going to be there. They don't even they'll let you sit in fucking traffic yeah, on July fourth. So, it's, so it's so tilting. Right. So like that's that's the government. The government's the bad problem. The government causes that. It's all completely captured. Like the idea that this is like, here, here's how far people get. This is the general, the general uh, idea people have with government. Like, they'll just pass a law. Oh, the bad problem. Oh, just pass a law. Yeah, well, that'll stop it, right? That's as far as they get. But it has, it, that it, eventually that has nothing to do with it. And every sector gets completely captured, especially, and you know this, if you're an expert in the field, and you just turn the page, the government and effect. And when you don't know something about it, like the roads, you go, "Hey, that was you that was a pretty roads. that was a pretty red pilling thing of me when when you told me about this. Like the more the more that Gelman amnesia thing has sunk in, the more the more I've been like, "Wow, that's it's really insane how much how much that does impact our lives." Because you don't you don't know shit about viruses or the road or anything like this. So you just go, "Of course, these institutions." are doing the right thing. Why wouldn't they? You know, and like, okay, what schools did you go to? Oh, the ones by the institution. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Well, that might affect your opinion, right? Like Tom Woods analogy is like, imagine if Walmart ran the schools and you had to pledge allegiance to Walmart every day and the teachers were all hired by Walmart. What ideology do you think they teach you? And then on the walls, there's you know, the first CEO of Walmart and the second CEO of Walmart, and we make up lies about him. Like the first CEO never told a lie, right? Like what would your opinion be of Walmart? And it also back to your question of like, like you, like you said, you think governments are, you know, it is moral. It's okay. It's like, it's a, not only is it not moral, it's an illusion. Their authority is an illusion. It, it, it just because like if Walmart had an election and their board of directors was like their Congress, and their CEO is the president and they go, okay, we just had an election. This is, this is the people in charge. We're going to, you know, we're going to bomb Canada. Right. What? You can't do it. No, we had an election. We have a bunch of property. We can do that. It's like make just because six out of 10 people say something, this is a completely an, an, anti-liberal. 
just because the majority wants to oppress and a minority doesn't make it anymore. Right. Doesn't make it sure. legitimate. So like right off the bat, the whole thing's illegitimate. It doesn't make any, you know, no one agreed to this. It was agreed to by guys who are long dead. And most of these laws are passed by guys who are long dead. Right. Yes. So like, yeah, that's true. No, no binding contract would bind for your kids, 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 kids too. Right. <laughs> like, you know, we, that would be, we would laugh at that. And so like every institution from the civil court system, which we talked about before, which is so poorly run that you could ask yourself, do you know you or know anyone who's ever used a civil court system to sue successfully sue a former employer or a contract went bad or somebody ripped you off when you bought a boat off of them or something? And the answer is generally no, zero, right? And the median's probably like 0.5. Sure. And so what does that do? What does that lead to? It leads to all of us fucking hating our employers and businesses and feeling powerless. And so then who we do, we need more, we need more votes. We need more laws. We need to pass more laws. These guys are evil. Right. But, but like, if you do the counterfactual thought experiment and say, okay, Davis, there was no court system. What would people be clamoring for this giant piece of shit we got, <laughs> right? This giant piece, piece of shit we have. So like, I mean, and, and these are the most important functions that even minarchists would agree with should exist court systems, uh, uh, you know, uh, police and the armed forces. But like, is anyone happy with any of these institutions? And those are the most important ones. Now think about like these shitty little ones you guys don't know anything about, like the unemployment agencies and the treasurer's office and the comptroller and what, what are they all? Right. Doing? No fucking clue. You can't name, you can't name one state senator, much less one law that that guy is trying to get passed. Right. They do all this stuff. On, I mean, when I, I work there, so like what happens is these laws, so like these laws are passed a hundred years ago and you have no idea what, what, like what goes on. And it's usually negotiation between like the union and, and big business. And then they, pay, and then they, they agree to it. And this, this, the, the legislature just passes it. And what they're trying to do is siphon off competition, generally speaking for their own benefit. And they usually use it in the guise of helping you or other people. So like one law that was passed when I was there was um, in uh, like for um, for staffing companies in Illinois, they now have to provide a, a bond, an identification bond of like a million or $5 million or something, just in case they go into business so that they can pay the employees. And you would be as a liberal, you would go, okay, that's good. I think if someone company goes under as a staffing company, you should get paid. That, that makes sense. That should be a fine or something, right? But that's not why they passed it. The labor wanted it. The labor unions wanted it because they don't want staffing companies coming up and, and providing cheaper wages than the, the, uh, the, the fair share wages that laws that we have whenever you hire a union company or a government project, you have to pay a certain minimum. So they're just trying, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, like at all these, like the labor institutions as, as well, like they're not there for labor. They're not there for workers. Like they claim they're there for themselves. You're saying, you're saying that unions only exist to, to benefit the union itself. All in, it's one of conquest three laws. All bureaucracies will eventually be run uh, by people who benefit 
the bureaucracy instead of the goals that it originated for. Um, and the longer it exists, the, the, the more it'll happen like that. And you could think of like the teachers union, you know, like they're not benefiting students, right? <laughs> like they're benefiting, they're not benefiting the school system. They're benefiting, benefiting teachers and, and just in the CIA and the FBI, all of them, the, the, you know, the entire military industrial complex, they're not, they're not here to keep the peace, right. Or, uh, you know, keep Americans alive. Sure. That's that, that, that I totally agree with you. Yeah. You, you absolutely have. I, I com- totally agree in the military industrial complex. So, so actually, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Where in your opinion, do you think it all went wrong? Do you think it's just always been this way? There's never been a good government in, in human history. Um, no, I mean, I, th- I think there's just varying degrees of, of good and bad. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it depends on the incentives and consequences. So like in the accountability and right now, all these, all these institutions. So it's just like another thing I wanted to tell you too, is like, don't get mad at people with, without power. Like there's no point in being angry with like a Trump supporter or a Bernie bro or something like that. Like these people have no power. Well, you, you got to point your finger at the institutions and entities and people that have power without consequences, right? And not fleeting power like an individual can have. Like I could go get you know a weapon and go do some damage, right? But eventually I'm going to get shot or arrested or something, and that's it. That's ball game for me, right? Like like these institutions of like, you know, gigantic corporations, the you know, government and their allies in there, uh, you know, certain media conglomerates, certain um, uh, like academic institutions or policymaking institutions, right? Like they, you know, like the easy examples, like you could say, like there's weapons of mass destruction in a country, invade it, occupy it for, you know, 20 years on, on a lie that was not true at all. And then does anyone even resign in disgrace? Right. Of course not. Of course not. Right. Like they don't even they don't even have the dignity to fucking resign, which, you know, obviously for war crimes, you should be a lot worse than just resigning. But like can't even get to that level. Right. And it's because they, there's there's no and they're and they're all allies. Right. And so they're just trading power without consequences to keep each other in their, uh, you know, elite situation. And so yeah. the, the government is just facilitating that. I mean, so this is what I was going to say about the, like the Liberty Bureau community. The problem with like what, what's going on in the Liberty community is like, okay, we we recognize that volunteerism is probably the most uh, moral uh, system to live under um, and the most uh, beneficial to humanity. It's not perfect. There will there will still be poor people, that, but it's just the trade offs are way more better on, in, under volunteerism. But you can you can never take over under a voluntary and a voluntarist like mindset, right? Like eventually the people who who want to win will beat the people who um, want to be left alone, right? That's a that's a Aaron McIntyre's line. Um, so like, yeah, you want you want liberty, you want voluntarism, you want whatever. Even if you want to have your own communist com- compound, well, you're never going to achieve it. So like that that debate is going on in like the liberty the liberty universe right and it's an important one because like most of this we we always come to this is like okay how much is this is the classroom 
and how much of this is the bedroom, right? Like how much is this in your head and how much is like, okay, well, how can Davis achieve his goals of like healthcare for, you know, the people who need it or whatever your main, you know, if someone might be whatever my, whatever person. my bleeding heart, dumbass lib take of the week is. If none of that stuff too, here, here's, here's the problem with like being a liberal. Like I was for so long. This is like, you get on your like righteous high ground. It's very easy to say like, I want healthcare for all these people. It's like, no shit. Like everyone wants these things. You're not brave. Like at all. Like, I'm pretty brave. I'm not, not you, Davis, and not, <laughs> and not former me either. I'm, I'm saying like the general person is like they make these, these claims that any reasonable person would agree with. Yeah, it's, it's every time, every time anyone does polling, Democratic or left-leaning positions always have the greatest amount of support. Right, because there are these general questions of, do you like, do you want good things to happen to good people? It's like, uh, yes, <laughs> right? But like, okay, well, what are the trade-offs for achieving that? And the trade-offs are drastic in most situations and or unachievable uh, to have your goal or have your goal last for any amount of time. So like, it's just, it's just like, I want good things to happen to to good people. It's like, yeah, no shit. You know, like how brave. Yeah. How how brave, like no fucking shit. And then, and then you go like, well, and then you go like, and here's today's discourse is like, it's all bad faith. Right. And you're like, well, you know, I don't think the trade-offs are worth it because X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, well, you, you're, you love Trump. You, you're a Trump supporter and, or you're all right or whatever, you know, ist. And it's like, okay, well that like, like I told you, know, you. I, I think you're, I think you're letting your Liberty bros off a little bit easy in this regard, which yeah. is a lot of them saw Trump as a lever to bring it back, to bring it back to DFS. A lot of them knew what Trump was, knew what was going to happen, knew what the, what the ramifications were going to be, but used this fucking moron who was just willing to say whatever people were saying to him as yeah. a lever. And I don't think that, I don't think that those bros should be held unculpable with that. I think, I think your idea of not getting mad at people in power mm-hmm. in that aspect is wrong. And I think that, I think that those people should be held accountable for, for using Trump as their lever. Well, I think a lot of the Liberty Bros didn't even vote for him. So like, but like, I mean, to, like, and let me agree with you. I think a lot of them did want him to win as like a hand grenade, you know? Yes. Throw a hand grenade. Right, exactly. And, and I think, I, I think, purpose. and I think letting them off the hook for that is, is, is I, just because I think it would be very easy to be like, oh, well, what did you want them to do? You know, not vote or, or vote for, for Hill dog for the good of the country. Like those are, those are like, you know, uneven, uneven trade-offs, but, but the idea that because the, the Liberty bros were, they were, they were using Trump as a, as a means to a much more important end, I think is, I think is totally bullshit. I mean, so like, um, I agree with you, like to some extent there, but I still don't think they have any power. Like, I don't think they have any power to, to do, uh, to, to change anything. Like, like I'm talking just regular everyday liberty bros. Like even concert, let's even say can some conservatives too. We'll throw them all in there. Like, what do they, what power do they really hold? Like, oh, like, it's kind of like, like if you want like the Yankees to lose, like, does, does that mean I have power? And then the Yankees lose and I take pleasure in it? 
No, but I mean, I, so like, I, uh, what I mean is just like, cause we're talking about this in a classroom sense. So I mean, in a classroom sense, the Liberty bros from a classroom sense and like, cause they're, they're arguing this philosophically, right. That, that a vote for Trump is a vote for, you know, uh, a breaking down of the American power structure and, and potentially an ability to regenerate or whatever. And I think even in a classroom sense, you can say that's immoral because like we fucking knew we everyone with a brain knew what was going to happen when Trump became president and it was bad. And, and, and again, uh, you know, uh, you know, red meat eaters listening to this, I'm not saying like a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for saving America's democratic <laughs> Republic. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying that shit either. Like I'm not, I'm not, don't paint me as a, as a fucking Joe Biden slurper, but it's, it's like, you know, everything, we always talk about, you know, the, there are all these trade-offs and the trade-offs for voting for Trump were bad trade-offs. I mean, what were the trade? Nothing happened. Like what, what, I mean, he didn't, he didn't change anything. Everything ran the same way. He was like, it, he was one of the most fecal presidents ever. He didn't do shit. I, I more mean, I more mean from like an ideological tenor in the United States. Yeah. But Trump, Trump is, Trump is just the, you know, the end result of all the symptoms and, and things that have came before him. And by the way, like Michael Malice has a line, you know, Trump, they thought Trump was, you know, the flood, but he was actually the dam. So like, there could be way more coming that you won't like. Oh, there will be, there will be. Yeah. And it's not, it's not Trump and it's not whoever's next either. It's a culture war. We're in a cold civil war. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen, but that's, it's, that's not from, that's not from Trump saying, bigoted shit for six months right it's 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 from hundreds of years of of boiling up conflict that's really culminated with the internet i think and like i said last time like people know like conservatives know you hate them not you davis but liberals they know they know you they know now and you're an idiot by for going like why won't you eat this apple it's good for you it's like because they don't eat they won't eat things you know they won't take things from people they know hate them Right. They're not going to not gonna vote for things that people that hate them, which is why I think like a peaceful divorce is and let people sort themselves out in these smaller communities where they have more control would would be beneficial if, it, if, if we could pull it off. I mean, I, I'm not optimistic. That's just one of a million different ways. You know, we could we could do it. But while we're while we're talking about a, a peaceful divorce, I just I. The fucking Bitcoin bros are losing me, man. They're every day. It gets worse, dude. These people are fucking losing their minds. The big, like, uh, do you know, do you, uh, do you know who Peter McCormick is? He, he was, he's been on this show. He does what, what Bitcoin did, which is yeah. probably the biggest Bitcoin podcast. And mm-hmm. they're like, they're like now, now the Bitcoin people are trying to cancel him. Really? Uh, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's like, they're trying to get him uninvited from some of these Bitcoin conferences and stuff because, uh, well, one, because he's vaccinated, um, but, but just, just so they, you know, they, like, they just say all this ridiculous shit about him. He had, uh, Udi Wertheimer on his show. And I think Udi very rightfully, you know, criticizes the Bitcoin community. Like we want everyone to use fucking Bitcoin and we can't convince OpenSea to take Bitcoin. Like, just like, like, just, you know, kind of showing the emperor that, that they have no clothes and, Man, they're just, it's fucking hard to know that this thing that I've loved for so long is turning into this very gross, toxic 
community. I mean, the, the Bitcoin <sighs> people, I get why people hate Bitcoin people. I totally get it. Yeah. But I mean, there are these are two different things, Bitcoin and the Bitcoin people, right? For but sure. And that's what that's still, what a, a real a real Bitcoiner would say Bitcoin has no community. You know, it has no political opinion. It just it just is it is an immutable ledger and that's all that it is. Right. Exactly. And 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 like our end goal of, you know, getting rid of the banking system and the two the, the duopoly of Visa MasterCard, getting bank banks to the bank list, you know, that type of thing can all still happen with you know, some Bitcoin bros, you know, going off the handle. Sure. Yeah. I, I was thinking with this inflation stuff, Davis, this is kind of corollary to to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So like Bitcoin bro, you know, philosophy, libertarian philosophy, whatever is, you know, the fed is printing this money and they've been going ham since 2008, which is causing all this inflation, essentially more dollars chasing fewer, uh, or the same amount of products and fewer and because of the supply chain issues, which you would think be, would be resolved by now, but so inflation's up like, yeah, what, and you see these inflation charts, right? Like there's one going around today, which has gone around a lot where it shows like subsidized industry versus non-subsidized industry. So like schools, hospital bills, college textbooks, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, just skyrocketed in the last twelve years for cost, and and so a subsidy is essentially the same thing as as the Fed printing money, right? It increases the demand and the amount of money, especially if we're giving free interest rates or low interest rates for housing, for example, and it raises the price. Now, the Fed says that inflation's good, right? They want to keep it around two some percent. But there's like two things there. Like one is like, first of all, there's this like unseen inflation where if it's the same price over time, that doesn't mean inflation didn't happen there, right? So like, let's just say like TVs, we know TVs drop in price, but let's say they, they didn't, like there's so much money printing that, that even TVs were the same price for the last 12 years. Well, yeah. they would count that as zero. They would count that as zero, right? It's like, but it's not zero. It, it, you're still fucking with our TVs too, even. So there's that. And then there's, the Fed says they want 2%, you know, 2% inflation because if people are saving so much, like, yeah, it's more investment into capital goods, which is good, good production, and which is what we need right now. But then also people are less likely to spend. So a little bit of inflation is a good thing, right? But like, from a, you know, not our mindset, but the general population mindset, like, okay, well, where's the fucking democracy in that? Like, let's, let's even grant that 2% inflation is good. Who's this, like, who, why do they get to decide this? There are, you know, a, a quote unquote private banking conglomerate, the Fed bank system. Maybe, maybe we want minus 2%. Maybe we want deflationary thing where prices go down. Why do you, why would you get to decide that? You know, who, after all these institutions are doing, especially in the last decade, most people have lost faith in them. Why, where do they get, you know, the authority to even decide that, even if it's probably like generally agreed upon that 2% inflation should do it. You know, do you have any thoughts on that? Like I've just been thinking about that the past few days. Well, you know, uh, uh, a Fiat bro, a Keynesian or whatever, or, or someone who, uh, you know, really likes civics or whatever, they would say you are, you are giving consent by, voting for these folks that that just by by the nature of voting these people into office you are at the fed bank with, 
Right. But the, but they but they would say but they would say, you know, the the president and, and the treasurer and all this, they have say in who is who runs the Fed Bank and all that shit. That's true. But then that's also counter to the narrative that they themselves put forth, which is this is a private institution. Right. So like then there's a lot of double talk or someone here is lying. I'm not I'm not saying it makes sense. It's total. It's total double talk. I'm just telling you I'm just telling you what the the counter argument is. Yeah. But well, anyways, the long story short is like, wouldn't it be nice to try maybe like stop printing money? Let's see what negative inflation uh, does to to uh, uh, to our economy. You know, it's it's never going to happen. But. um, But like what's your guess on these prices let's say next like for the next year does inflation taper off down does it stay flat does it go up down. starting now you think like the next yeah quarter? because i, I if, if if anything if anything the federal government will implement price controls because because the the narrative has gotten so out of control um price controls yeah. won't won't do anything I mean, to, the, the price price controls have been tried in multiple countries, and yeah, it, it won't. It never lowers prices, and this the money will be spent uh, elsewhere because it'll just the, the investor will just reallocate the capital goods. So, like, sure. if you say we're going to do price controls on housing, I'm not going to invest in housing anymore because there's no there's no profit in it. So then, how so then housing will actually go up? It'll 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 either go up or the property won't be taken care of for like people like with rent control. Right. It's like, well, if I can't charge more, I'm not going to provide good service to my customer. It gives a shit like these type of things happen. Like if you wanted prices to go down, you do the exact opposite. You would have price controls on everything except the except the industry you want to lower prices in, because then all the capital goods would funnel into that that industry. Right. Because like, oh, I can't make I can't make money in uh, whatever. I don't know. Pharmaceuticals now because there's price control. So I'll funnel it all into housing because there's no cap. There's no regulation anymore. And then, and then competition will happen. And prices would, would, would drop significantly. Uh, so it's like, it doesn't yeah. matter one way or another. One way or another, the the the, the resources are going to get reallocated. Like you can't you can't centrally plan all this stuff. Central planning is 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 one of the giant failures of the 19th century, 19th, 18th, uh, 20th century. You can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I, I think I probably. Well, I don't know if I buy that or not. I, have to, I, I don't. I don't know enough to say definitively one way or the other. But I, I do know that the the number one edict of the Fed I, and and central bankers all across the world has got to be limiting inflation because they don't do with the, like we don't. You, the, these big countries do not want riots on the streets like it's fucking Sri Lanka, right? Like we just we we can't we can't have that, right. you know. It- that shit's increasing too. I mean, it's not just Sri Lanka. Italy is having riots. Um, Denmark, um, uh, what Brazil? I think there's a. There, I mean, if you if you you know if you if you sub to the right people on Twitter, you'll see all these riots all over the world, which is not a and the, and they're not and they're not broadcasting them on mainstream uh, publications, which. I don't know. I, I feel that's a lot of the stuff they do is irresponsible, but like it, it, it can't be a good sign being that, you know, the wealthiest country in on the planet with, with all these, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know, third world or second world or whatever countries are rioting and collapsing like that shit's eventually going to come here. And we already have supply chain issues 
shortages on the shelf, hyper, you know, almost hyperinflation or just high inflation right now, whatever you want to call it. Um, not good signs. No, no. And, and the, the fucking Bitcoin people can't, get their shit together enough to the thing the be, thing that be, pisses me off about bitcoin is like the thesis okay it's like that the when me and pete bought that joke joke cosmic we bought joker joker cosmic cosmic he won the mvp fucking twice in twice, a row twice and it's worth and it's worth and it's worth less than what we paid for it yeah Right, like the so the thesis of the play goes perfectly, and you got and you're getting and you like and you don't get paid. Of your money back currently. Yeah, yeah, and, like, and that's, that's what, what and and, and the, right now it's like, but and the Bitcoin people don't don't acknowledge this at all. You know, they'll be like, oh, you know, everyone got wiped out on Celsius or Luna, and you should have never left your keys and and BlockFi or whatever. And I can't believe these stupid ETH people with their JPEGs, what morons, and just yeah. completely ignoring the fact that you know, someone who started dollar cost averaging in 2021 is so far underwater right now. And this is, and it's the thesis of the play is right fucking now that we should be skyrocketing, right? If we're being, I think we're being fair. Now, here's another thing they say, Davis too. It's like, okay, yeah, but like, Brian, when did you start investing, right? It's like, yeah, okay. So I was early and I got lucky, but like, I'm not sure. Like, like, uh, yeah, but getting getting lucky, getting lucky is not a fucking game plan, though. Like, like, sure, I got lucky, but but getting lucky shouldn't be required as part of a savings vehicle. Well, and also was the so was the thesis of the play priced in then in, in 2018, 2019. That's when the payoff was. So we did beat inflation, kind of. Like, I mean, there is some validity to that argument, but it just pisses me off just seeing. So, like, now we're at 21. Last I looked, like, I still have to look every day. I can't help it. And like, we were just at what, 25 or something. And like, so it's like, and, and, and the fear and the panic in the banking system, I'm sure you saw China rolled in uh, tanks because their, their, their banks can't pay out and they're using, and they just yeah. said, we're claiming your funds as investment for the state. Like, so like just all across the world, every, everything that Bitcoiners said would happen that would increase the price of Bitcoin has happened. And we've gone from 60 to 20. Like that's the reality of it. And so like, it just, it just, it, it's like, I can't believe we got the fucking thesis right again. And the prices went down. And we just need another lifetime so, to realize our EV. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. If it, if, I mean, if it goes down to like 15 or something, let's say it stays at 20 for two, three years. Well, then the thesis was bullshit. Like, at what point, really, we have to be like, well, I mean, a decade, two decades. I mean, we we got everything that everything everything's happening that that was supposed to happen. Well, except for we got to once once banks or nation states get involved in purchasing Bitcoin, that's that's like the new thesis, right? Is that is that eventually nation states and banks are going to want to own Bitcoin the same way they did with gold? I mean, but that's not the original thesis, right? Like, well, the the, thesis the, like, the original is, the original thesis the original thesis was peer to peer digital cash, and that they abandoned that five years ago, right? That that's totally that no one no one talks about this ever anymore. No one cares about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it, it certainly wasn't. Oh, and then eventually, we need the states to come in and buy a bunch to drive up the price. 
which by the way, you don't think that's going to come with regulation in a lot of these countries, like harsh regulation, which yeah. does matter. It does. Like I know Bitcoin and the internet, you can't shut down. I know I get it. But like, if you make it, you know, 20 years in prison to use Bitcoin or use it in a way they don't like, like a lot of people are going to not use it. Right? It's going to stop adoption. They're going to eventually use it the way they want. Like, I, I don't know. That, that's the thing. And then, and then with ETH too, it's like, it's like, okay, is two point, why did the price go up? I thought like is 2.0 coming uh, earlier than people thought, like, why the fuck did that go up 50%? Yeah, it was. It was like rumors of the merge actually happening is basically what it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, ETH, like I mean, as as a Liberty bro, there there are a lot of things about ETH. Uh, I think if you read this book, The Cryptopians, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to own that much ETH. Kind of kind of sounds like fiat to me, bro. I, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. But like, I mean, being a Liberty bro doesn't mean that you don't, you know, believe want to make money. <laughs> no not not just that but like you could you could easily like say like oh this guy is a uh a, a harsh ceo but i like the way he runs his company i want to work for him i want to buy his products or something like that like it doesn't mean you know because that's kind of what the thing is with vitalik right he's like he kind of holds the cards he could really screw people over yeah but that like just just because you don't want the federal government you know printing trillions of dollars doesn't necessarily mean you're not okay with other investing in other institutions or working for them or something like that. It's not, it's not anti-libertarian, like just full stop. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either, but uh, well, that that's a conversation for another day. We can, we can return to this uh, in, in a month or two. Yeah. I got to get out of here. I got yeah. a hard out uh, guys check out bricks draft caddy. It's uh it's pretty cool gonna gonna help you uh realize that ev in this lifetime instead of another watch lols on uh, on wednesday nights and uh, i'll be back next week All right. bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.